Matthew chapter 6. Um, again, uh, I've been known to uh, let my kids, uh, let's see here. Oh, no, that, I, I let them pierce their ears with the Beatitudes. I was going to say if they memorize the entire Sermon on the Mount, I don't think any of the kids have done that yet, James. Um, anyway, here we go. Ready? We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. Um, I'm reading out of the New International Translation. Be careful then not to do your acts of righteousness before men be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street corners to be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand uh, in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think because of their many words that they will be heard. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber, as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, only to your Father who is in heaven. Then your Father who is unseen and who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Are we all good on that side, guys? Are we operating functionally? Somebody wave at me. Can you? Okay, we're good. All right. The message, that the title I've given the message this morning is Ashes, Dust, or something else. Um, before I go there, I want to make sure to mention this. I just glanced down here. As we're praying for prayer needs, I want to encourage us to continue to pray for our offering. It's going to very much fit into what we're talking about today, but the special offering that we're taking for El Salvador, we're looking probably at the end of March 
to take that offered pasture. Luis is looking at that at, at going down in toward the mid-Aprilish uh, dates. We, I, I don't know if we have dates specific yet or not. All right. 86 to 88, 1986 to 88, um, I served as a chaplain at Parkview Hospital. During that time, I came to know a woman uh, by the name of Sister Julianne. She was a sister from, uh, lived in the convent behind Parkview Hospital at St. Anne's, and she was on loan to, to uh, the hospital by the local diocese. Um, and she was, she was the one sent out to, to call on all of the Roman Catholics at the hospital. Now, I, I have to admit that as a young 25-year-old that didn't grow up in a high-tradition setting, um, I had a hard time relating to her. Not only was she old, she didn't hear very well, she dressed kind of funny, um, didn't have a lot of energy, you know, um, and, and then there was the glaring issue of the fact that I, she didn't really have great bedside manner, in my opinion. And so I, I was being taught that I needed to learn to listen and to invite people to share what their fears and concerns were. And, and I would watch her come in to visit people, and she had an agenda. And I was told we weren't supposed to have an agenda. And so it just... It was one of those times where I, was, I thought, what is this? Uh, her prayers, man, uh, she walked around with a prayer book. I had no value for that. Uh, many times she would just pray them, and it seemed like they were rehearsed. Uh, and, and so the point is, I, I had no value for her tradition. Now, I, most of you guys know this by now, that uh, I have really grown in my appreciation prayer liturgy it's I, I pray a liturgy literally almost every day uh, I've grown a deep appreciation for pre-written prayers many of them coming from the Catholic tradition and it's had a significant impact in my journey over this last uh, two or three years now um, let me let me also point this out before I go any farther this is a this is a Ben bunny trail but um, it really you know Anyone who's praying simply out of ritual and religious notion, the truth is you don't have to be out of some high church tradition to, to be religious. And it is a concern, and it's something we need to pay attention to. Um, so, yeah, you know, you want to pay attention to that. But, but I'm confessing the fact that I, I just didn't have value for it. So on this particular day, I, I told my wife about this as I was prepping for this message that uh, I don't think I'd ever told her this story. Um, I came in to fetch in the afternoon. Usually we would get the surgery scheduled the day before. And so it was uh, then we would go and try to call on each person that was going to be having surgery and see if there was anything that they needed, anything that they would like prayer for. And so I went in to fetch the surgery schedule and I glanced over at her desk. Now, to be honest, there were times I would catch her napping. I thought, who naps in the afternoon? Truth be told, me, now. But then I thought, who naps in the afternoon? And so I glanced over to see if she was paying attention, and she looked at me, and then I looked at her, and I felt this horribly uncomfortable moment as I was looking at her because I thought, are you serious? 
is she aware? I, I'm, and I hesitated, but then I thought, you know, I raised my voice and it didn't seem like I caught sight. I raised my voice again, sister, sister, you've got, you've got something on your head. And so I came around the desk and she looked at me confused at my concern for her. And I, I reached for a tissue and I began to reach toward her. I said, sister, there's something on your head. And she held my hand away, again, looking at me very confused and said, it's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> now, if memory serves me correctly, Another one of the chaplains entered into the office about that time from the United Methodist tradition, one of the lead chaplains, to which he explained to me that part of the service in an Ash Wednesday service is to take the palms from the palm branches of the year before to burn them and to have them placed on our forehead in the sign of a cross to be reminded that our life is but dust. It's, it's, it's from, you know, it's ashes, it's dust. And so I, I remember... Not only did I feel silly, I kind of felt like a bully. Uh, you know, again, I, I didn't understand Lent and the tradition of it. Um, for me, it seemed like just a bunch of tradition that the, the Catholics that went to church about a block away from us and the, when, when I grew up as a child, you know, they had fish fries, but they didn't eat meat. And I never really understood that whole thing. And, and then as, as, as I studied the scripture and I went to college and studied the scripture, I thought, well, I mean, I've got words to back up my position. Jesus said, don't be religious. Don't do these acts of righteousness before people to be seen by them. And, and really, I was expressing something I had internalized, which was that I really didn't have a value for, for what it meant to live a life of discipline I saw the gospel as something that was there to fix my sin problem, to give me a, a hope for the future, and that invited me to do better next time. And certainly, don't be like a hypocrite. What I failed to value was the truth of Sister Julianne's life as plain as day right in front of me. I mean, as plain as day. Here is this woman, well into her 70s, past retirement age, who had lived her life in religious community, who had given herself her entire life, but she wasn't living in St. Anne's like the majority of individuals in that home. She was working a full-time schedule and caring for others. I, I couldn't seem to be able to see past what I thought was her lack of professionalism, to see clearly she wasn't trying to impress anybody. She was simply trying to, to live from what was in her heart, to, to give of what she could give for the sake of others. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus speaks of the classic disciplines. Um, prayer, fasting, giving. And, and, you know, again, they can become obligations of a religious life. 
Now, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Um, 40 days that lead up to Easter. And, and for the church, and in the church calendar, it's a time that we call a call to repentance. Now, most of us in the room or on the call have heard this word repentance as the invitation to turn away from, to turn in another direction, which is true. Um, but, but really, I want to say Lent is really, as I've been thinking about it this year, more of the invitation, not so much about turning, but, but really the choice to examine what's going on in my life. Um, the church historically said, this is a time to sit down and take a look at what's going on in your life and give time and space for what actually matters. And so uh, as I've been meditating on this idea of repentance, I, I was thinking about Paul's words that Luke records in Acts chapter 20. You know, I went from the temple courts to house to house, uh, proclaiming repentance unto God and faith in Christ Jesus. So, again, to be clear, Lent is a time that we're called to many times by, by our traditions anyway, to give attention to our lifestyle. Now, repentance should be a part of our lifestyle all year, but, but as I was thinking about this, this text this year, I was thinking, okay, what does this look like? A repentance unto, not just turning away from, but towards. In Jesus' words, the opening words there in Matthew 6, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Now, the Passion Translation says, examine your motives to make sure you're not, quote, showing off your good deeds only to be admired by others. A couple of obvious things here. Um, you know, Jesus doesn't seem to think that these disciplines are optional. As a follower of Jesus, I've got to tell you guys, it's just, it's just honest and true. There have been many seasons of my life that fasting, it wasn't even a part of it. Prayer? Well, giving? And see, Jesus assumes these are the practices of your life. And, and interestingly, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've said in services where I've heard sermonettes given by elders or pastors uh, right before the offering because there's an emphasis on how we can assure our lives are blessed, quote, if we give, we give our time. I can even give you books, volumes of books, written about how giving is a sound investment for your life. In fact, if we get really honest, um, it's, it's presented by some as a really great investment because you'll get blessed. Or, or how about prayer? 
you know, I've said this for years. Nobody argues that prayer isn't a good idea. But I hear it talked about in a manner in which, well, it's a way to fix things. It's a way to make it work. Your life or your world around you. And fasting? Hmm. Well, I mean, it was never trying to prove a point to God, like, hey, can I get your attention, God? Um, so to, to really understand this, because Jesus begins with the assumption, let's not miss this, this is a part of your life. Why did he do that? Well, if we take a look at the scriptures, especially if we begin before the New Testament, and we look at the Old Testament scripture, in the Hebrew mind, well, these acts of righteousness Jesus refers to are talked about in the law, and, and the word that's given to it is this Hebrew word called zedakah, P-Z-E-D-A-K-A-H, I think is how it goes. Um, so anyone who has considered themselves as, as a follower of God, that's a regular part of their life, zedakah, which means righteous behavior. Now, righteous behavior, interestingly, in Hebrew tradition, isn't something that we do to someone or for God, but actually, this is fascinating, I love this. Zedekah is actually something that we do with. Do you follow that? I'm not just giving my tithes. I'm not praying my prayers. It's, it's something we do with it's corporate with God and with one another. So interestingly, by the way, if you look at all the prayer meetings in the New Testament, most of them are corporate. Prayer, fasting, giving. It's not something we individually do in our individual mindsets in the West in which we personalize this gospel to a personal salvation that we do it apart from everybody else. That's not the way that Jesus invites us. We're actually invited to be those who are representing God upon the earth, where his representation upon the earth. So, see, here's what this gets to, is that Zedekiah isn't just me showing off my pious behavior. See, Jesus said, you can do that, and it's worthless. Because the whole point of it, here's another Hebrew word, tikkun olam. Here's the point of your righteous behavior, is to be a repairer of the world. So watch this. For God's people, the point of righteous behavior, it's corporate, lived out together in the context of relationship with God and others, and, and it's to offer another version of the world. And, and beloved, this is what God describes of his people. If you look in the Old Testament, in these prophetic words over his people, he said, you're to be Repairers, rebuilders, restorers of ancient foundations. That's not just some cliche. It's actually our original job description. What was lost in the fall, we get to participate in, begin to see restored in real human lives. For Jewish people then, they begin to think of it in this way. Acts of righteousness to repair the world. So in a sense, they were living with a hand towards others in need and in touch with the what was going on in their heart. So what they were doing touched their heart, but 
but it touched their hands. So prayer, fasting, and giving was about repairing the world around them, a world that had been broken and bent and distorted by selfishness, greed, violence, sin, and now offering it grace and mercy, forgiveness, generosity in a world, beloved, where everything ends and marked by this reality, it all ends in dust and ashes. We're invited. We're invited to reveal something eternal. The love of God revealed in human vessels and beloved, that is the good news. Now, I think back about Sister Julianne and I do wish I could have seen that more clearly. A woman trying to live from her heart to give what she could give and generously to give it to others. Isn't that after all what we're called to live in a world that's filled with ashes and dust? We're offered to, 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 to reveal in our lives a vision of something eternal. So practicing our acts of righteousness, not as acts of piety to impress other people, but Jesus actually says this repeatedly. And, and interestingly, not just in this text, in Mark 12 and Luke 21, Jesus refers to the teachers of the law. Now watch this. He says, you know, you do these things to impress people. You're, you're doing all, you've got these long flowing robes. And this is what he says. In the end, you're actually devouring widows, homes, and wives. It's not something that's restoring. It's devouring. Religion is awful, beloved. But being a repairer is beautiful. In Mark 12, Luke 21, Jesus, right after he makes that comment, he calls his friends over and he says, hey, you see that woman over there? She put in one-eighth of a penny into this Zedekah box. We'll talk about that here in a minute. She puts it into the offering. Little woman, woman, she's, she's giving her Zedekah with the goal of partnering with her original job description to repair the world, not just save her life. And he said, she gave more than everyone else. See, I, I, I've grown up in and around the church. I have heard all kinds of teaching on prayer, fasting, giving. And unfortunately, much of it from the wrong goal. Health, wealth, blessing. Beloved, the goal of Zedekiah is to partner with God, to see the world repaired, where the love of God is revealed and becomes visible. Prayer, prayer not just to fix stuff. Oh, yes, we're invited to bring our needs before God. But, but the goal, beloved, of prayer isn't to transform the world out there. The goal of prayer is that I would be formed and transformed to be a man who is actually representing the love of the Father revealed in Christ. That's the goal of prayer. Not whether or not I prayed enough to make something happen, but have I prayed in a manner in which my mind and my heart and my life represent who God is. 
fasting. It's not a hunger strike. Hey, God, I'm going to get your attention. Uh, as if somehow he doesn't see the pain of those that are in need. It's about confronting what's actually capturing my own attention and my own affections. Giving. It's not to ensure the blessing and the provision of God as if he's otherwise unwilling to give it. Who do we actually think God is? What kind of father do we think he actually is? Giving. Giving is so that we can partner to see God take a boy's lunch and feed a city. And by the way, in almost every Jewish home, that's what they had for their little boys and their little girls was a little box called the Zedekah box with the goal to repair the world. Ash Wednesday, it's coming up here in just a couple of days. And it is a, I tell you, the world that we live in is bananas. You know, in, in cities around the world, in a couple of days, Tuesday, Mardi Gras, they're going to have parties in the streets, big drunken folks that are going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be there, merriment. And we call it Mardi Gras on Fat Tuesday because, because why? You know, the next day is Ash Wednesday. Now, for some of us, I grew up this way, and I'd be like, I didn't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, let's think about that. Maybe I didn't grow up in the tradition where we burned palms from last year and we lived these certain rhythms, but, but the truth is, here's the truth. Every one of us has been marked by something. Something's marked our life. And my prayer right now is, Lord, what's, what's marking my life? I, I want it to be obvious. Somebody looks at me that they'll know what marks my life. It is, you see, here's, here's the bottom line question of the morning. Is that mark something that's going to end in ashes and dust? Or is it something eternal? You know, as I think about these words, and this has been my prayer, Jesus, I, your invitation, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness to be seen, but to be partnered. See, it wasn't like he was saying, don't do them, but be partnered. I want my life to be marked by the mark of the cross. Now, I, I, guys, I'm going to tell you guys something. Um, I haven't said it publicly, but I will now about it over the last year as I prayed this prayer liturgy that I normally go through each day one of the prayers that I pray is the Jesus prayer Jesus son of David have mercy on me when I pray that normally in the morning or whenever it is that I'm going through my prayer time I, I actually do say Lord Jesus Christ son of David have mercy on me I make the sign of the cross and here's the thing it's not because I want to be religious Nothing religious about it, no ritual about it. But for me, it's right where I'm at right now. Lord, I want, I want the mark of my life to be the mark of the cross. I want that to be true. I want a repentance unto God and faith in Christ. I want to treasure 
something that's of value. And, and I want to say something about this that's, I think, obvious in this text. Jesus said, you know, when he's talking about giving, he said, um, he, he, he's not saying, by the way, that we store up treasures in heaven, like I do a bunch of deeds of righteousness and I'm going to get the big payout in heaven. Woohoo! And all you people who have a big bank account, too bad for you. That is not this text. What this text is saying is this. Your heart and your life can be connected to heaven now. Repent, Jesus said. Mark 1.15 and every time afterwards. For the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's among you. So this isn't just giving your tithe and ensuring you get a gold Ferrari in heaven. This is, this is giving so that my life can be connected to seeing heaven revealed now. So as we begin Lent, here's what this is saying. There, there's, a, there's a few things that, that, that I want to invite us to as we move into the season of Lent. Prayer, fasting, and giving couple of obvious points that I feel like are in this text. One is this. Ashes, dust. Well, uh, Jesus seems to make clear that's, that's where we're all going. Okay? There's the bummer news of the morning. Okay? <laughs> Short of Jesus' return, we're all going to end up there in a pile of ashes, a pile of dust. We're all going to die. Here's the question. Will we really live? Will I repent unto life? Will I repent from allowing any other motive? Now listen to this. Any other motive than the love of God revealed in Christ to direct and determine my life. Ashes, dust, or something eternal. I, you know, I, I was corresponding with a friend of mine this past week about these. You, no doubt, some of you have seen some of the uh, words that have been shared about the Asbury Awakening. Most people are calling it the Asbury Revival. It's a beautiful thing. But we were sharing, he said, you know, one of the things that we can get caught in sometimes is something called religious anxiety, spiritual anxiety, where I'm worried that I can, can I, am I going to get a hold of God? Um, Augustine, interestingly, listen to these words from St. Augustine, said, speaking of God, you were within me. I was outside myself, and I searched for you in that exterior world. Here's what I'm trying to say. Paul said it this way. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Will I, will I live, fast, pray, and give to be formed into the way of Jesus, to encounter Jesus today, right where I'm at? So as I think about this season of Lent, here's the second thought I want to give you. I mean, I want to really live. 
So maybe I, I need to lay aside these annual resolutions of self-improvement. Stay with me, okay? But let me say something. You're not the sum of your best works and your best deeds. Or even the worst deeds. We're sons and daughters of God. So here's what this means. The world doesn't need a better version of that. Um, my family doesn't need the best version of me. Now that sounds weird. I thought we were supposed to be really nice people. Do better. No, no, no. Our goal is not Ben's best love. Our goal is that the love of Jesus is revealed in Ben's life. So to be defined by his love isn't about my success or my failure, but that what defines me is the love of God revealed in my life. We can't repair the world by being the best version of us. We repair the world by partnering with the heart of God, seeing the heart of God revealed in our world. You see, I can't fix the world. Your best righteous acts will not repair the world, but the love of God revealed in Christ. Yeah. So here's something that, that bears repeating in that thought process. God's work isn't a zero-sum game, which means this. Here's what it means. He's not like over there and not here. So I'm, again, I'm reading and, and sharing with one of my friends, and he wrote something that said this. He's referring to the Asbury work that's occurring, the Asbury Awakening Revival. He said, I have no reason to doubt the Holy Spirit is at work in many places and in many ways, it almost goes without saying, but God can work in more than one place and in more than one way. God bringing conviction, consolation to a group of young people in Kentucky doesn't mean that he's ignoring the victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. N.T. Wright, he worded it this way. Heaven not some place that's distant and out there. Heaven, ready? Heaven is where God is right now. And where if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present and future. Jesus said it this way toward the end of his life. Remember, he says, do your acts of righteousness. Well, Jesus, we want to see the world repaired. How, how, how will we know when we see you? He said, you'll see me in the face of the stranger and the prisoner and the orphan, the widow, the hungry, the thirsty. Living our acts of righteousness is about seeing a world repaired, seeing heaven revealed on the earth in a world broken and bent and distorted by selfishness, greed, violence, sin, that we partner to offer something different. Mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Love, Jesus.
generosity in a world where everything ends in ashes and dust. We're invited to reveal something different, something eternal. The love of God revealed in human vessels. And beloved, that's good news. I want to pray this closing prayer, and I invite you to pray it with me. I don't know if we can get it up on the screen or not, Ange, but um, I'm going to go ahead and pray this prayer. If you're on the call this morning, we're going to close here in communion in just a few moments, all right? So if you have something there to share uh, in communion, just go ahead and grab it. Um, but here's the prayer. Pray it with me if you'd like. Righteous God, in humility and repentance, we bring our failures in caring, helping, and loving. We bring the pain we have caused others. We bring the injustice in society of which we are part to the transforming power of your grace. Grant us the courage to accept the healing you offer and to turn again toward the sunrise of your reign that we may walk with you in the promise of peace. You have willed for all the children of the earth and have made known to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.